We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buy a ticket and go to the performance, but you'll only be watching the dress rehearsal. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You me on Twitter, Ink Gunner. That's right. You can get a ticket to see the Manchester City game, and you can go to the stadium, and you can watch it. In fact, it's probably pretty easy to do that at the empty head, but that's another story. The point is, you'll be watching the dress rehearsal because it is the big Premier League fixtures on the horizon that seem poised to determine the title this season. And so... We, we ask that age-old question, that old question that keeps us arguing with each other on social media. To be fair, you could literally ask, like, you know, is the sky blue? And that would keep us arguing with each other on social media. But the age-old question is, does a winning culture matter? Do you need to win games to go on and win other games? Or do you find ways to prioritize the competitions that matter and that don't? I suspect we know what Mikel Arteta thinks we're going to find out what Clive thinks. He's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hey, hello, hello. Hello, Clive. Mm. Uh, I do want to let you know that over on the Patreon side, we did our rewatch video of the United game, and it was every bit as good and enjoyable uh, as I recall. Uh, Stats guy and a civilian, which is basically Paul and Scott being wackos, and people love it. And, and it you know, like, my tastes are unconventional is the line that comes across when I think about that, but that's out there and available as well. And we'd love to have you there. But if we can't have you there, we're just thrilled to have you here. We're going to have a nice little chat today about the City game tomorrow about how to win the title, did a little maths. Notice I put the S on there, so so people from the other side of the pond won't give me won't give me crap. I did a little maths, or math, <laughs> your mileage may vary, on what it's going to take to win the title. We're going to talk about that, and we'll do a little transfer nonsense. So, Clive, um, first things first, though. Uh, Eric Ten Hag convinced that uh, the, the result against his team was, was not a just one because we only had shots from distance, um, to be fair. Every distance is a distance. So even a short distance is a distance. Technically, is correct. Just the 20 shots from inside the box. Any quick um, afterglow thoughts on the win over United? I think having rewatched it with you yesterday, it just reminds me that the reason I love our football so much is I, I've always said this. I think it is what you call high percentage football. If you play that way for 90 minutes, you just make it more likely that your team is going to score more goals than the other team. Yeah, it's interesting watching Ten Hag assess the game. He seems to have uh, really focusing on his own people, maybe trying to create his own winning culture, really focusing on what they did wrong. Well, they didn't do enough right. Um, I don't think, think mm-hmm. they respected us fully because you wouldn't play Anthony in a game like that and have Ericsson as part of almost like a double pivot, playing against the best 21-year-old in the league. You just wouldn't do that. But they focus on what they would want to do. And they thought they would you get Ericsson on the ball and get Fernandes on the ball and they can ping it forward through to Rashford, hoping that Vigholz would keep us occupied and, and make us go to sleep. We didn't really work. Ericsson needed an iron lung. Fernandes didn't want to run back. Uh, Anthony was playing in, his, I think he was playing with the daisies coming out the pitch. You know, I'm not sure what he was doing. And um, so they had too many people not at it for the roles that they were asked to do and we over, overran them and 
there's been lots of great analysis about the game. What I will say is there's been a rush to create the old rivalry, you know, between Arsenal and Man United, as if our projects are on the same level. And they're not. And two days, you know, a few days down the road, it's obvious that they're not. I think Ten Hag will get there. But the one thing I think they may fall down on is talent ID. And going to the Dutch league, I don't think that's the right thing to do to get to the top of the Premier League. You know, so I think there are some players there that are not quite going to take them to the promised land and some of the older players will tail away. So I think there's work to do. Manchester United have cash. They have the ability to raise cash. Um, so there's no problems. I'm not going to cry for them, but they're not where we are. And I think um, no. I think that was clear to me. Yeah, the interesting thing watching it again is, forget what we create for a minute. You could make the argument, oh, most of our shots were blocked, or they were good shots, or they were bad shots, or whatever you want to say about the 25 shots, 20 from inside the box that we created. What's striking is how little they created. What's striking is how we forced them to go long to nobody, how their outlet sunk deeper and deeper. And it was similar to the Spurs game, actually, um, you know, until we were protecting a lead. The way our football restricts opposition chances is what's interesting. Now, as you probably know, if you're listening to this, because we've talked about it before, when your opposition is primarily forced to play on the counter, when they do fashion a chance, it tends to be a higher quality chance, right? Because you're facing fewer defenders, uh, there's more space, more opportunity. But the way we restrict chances is really interesting. And it will be a fascinating match against Manchester City, the first of three, Clive, as we sort of pivot there. Because they are a team that creates a ton of chances. We are a team that creates a ton of chances. And both of us are teams that restrict chances, but give away some more types of chances at the other end that can be high quality. And it really is a mirror image. I, I think Arteta's football is different from Pep's football, but certainly the way we want to control games, control territory, and move our resources up into the attacking third is similar. Here's where yeah. my head's at with this game tomorrow as we sit recording this. It's not so much that I think throw the game, get out of the cup. Like you could make an argument being out of the cup would be better for us in the title race, but that's neither here nor there. And I don't want to get to the, do you have to win games to create a winning culture question yet? I think there is a, ta a fascinating tactical issue here, Clive. If we go full strength, play our full team, play our full way, you give Pep and his players a really good dress rehearsal for what they're going to have to do two times when it matters in the league. But if you rotate, and maybe you play a little on the counter more. You know, you tell your guys, we're going to sit in our low block a little more than we usually do. We're going to press a little less. We're going to counter a little more. Maybe win. You never know. But what you don't do is you don't give them a really good feel in a hot game environment of what playing Arsenal this season is like so that when we come to the next game, it's familiar to them. I'd like to come to that first league game where what they're facing from us feels very, un I mean, look, you can look at it on video, you can get a sense of it, but it's different when you're on the pitch, right? So what do you think about that component, the chess match of not wanting to give City too much of a, a, an understanding of what they'll be facing when the games, I mean, when the games with a big, big prize come come into the picture? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that and really, really appreciate that thinking. I think for me, the number one thing I'll be doing if I was a manager is squad management. And not only the rotation angle, but they are, there are a lot of very, very good players on our bench who are incredibly happy. But they'll be incredibly happy because they know they've got a game coming up. If they don't have that game, the risk of the squad harmony could, could come in. You know, everyone wants to play. They work every day. They work for years to get to this level. They want to play. They sat on the bench watching the game of the season. And some of them would have hoped for minutes. They didn't get any minutes, but they're really hoping for minutes now to show what they can do to really get the manager's trust. If we don't use the squad, we don't create opportunities. I think it's very important that we all want depth. We all want to see us be stronger on the bench. Well, how do we know how strong we are on the bench until we play them? So you, for me, you have to play them. And then, of course, there there are two separate occasions. One will be at City's ground, one will be at our ground. And we can change the music when they come to our ground. We can not only change the personnel, but we can change the music. And I think that's very important. The atmosphere, if it's anything like Sunday, if that's on, I think it's on a Wednesday night, 15th of Feb. Well, there'll be uh, lots of people yeah. leaving work, half-day job, you know what I mean? And there'll be one of those. And... um it will be crackling. It will be crackling. So 
I think we can really change the whole vibe. And I'm with you, Elliot. I, I, I've sat here and said we got to build a, an elite mentality every three day job type of thing. But I'm also very conscious that we are 100 point tracking Arsenal Football Club that has a moment in time. And I want us to manage that really cleverly and smartly. I just, there's no issues for me to um, take people out, key people, and then play other people and see what they've got and discover them, discover what they are. I think it's very important we do that for squad management. Yeah, I, I think there there's the reality too that this is a chance in a game that will be very hard, but in a game where the stakes are lower in a weird way, to see you know what an Emil Smith Rowe has to give you, a Trossard has to give you, a Vieira has to give you, right? Like because if, if you play them in the first leg of a Europa League Cup tie, let's say against a very low level opposition, does that make you confident to play them against? Southampton in the league or, or God forbid, you know, Newcastle or Chelsea in the league? Maybe not. But if you play them in, in the FA Cup at the Etihad, even if it's against a weakened city, we know this, there's no weakened city, right? There's only different city. Yeah. There's only different types of strong city. If you play them there and they excel, I think it does give you confidence to use them in games that matter and start them in games that matter. So I think there's a big advantage there. Um, I don't think you ever, you know, look, I'm not saying throw the game, lose 7-0. And I, I think there is a fear that, well, when certainly once upon a time, our, an Arsenal team that rotated to go to the Etihad could have gotten smashed. I think with this coach, with with our system, and with the players we have now, that's less likely. Um, I, you know, I think, as I mentioned, Smithrow, Vieira, Trossard, those are good players. Um, do I think that you want to play a Sambi Lakanga at the Etihad? Like, you know, I, I think we've seen that He's had some rough moments at Arsenal in, in big games like at Anfield, and he hasn't been in the team, so I don't know about that. Or Rob Holding, that's a little harder. You're going to give someone like a Kivior his debut at the Etihad. I don't, I don't think you want to be doing that. Well, so I, 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 my I, view is why not? Just mm, go, okay. Yeah, why not? Right? You spent money on them. They're assets to the club. Why not? Yeah, don't worry yeah. about it. You know, show no fear. Just play with courage, right? And, you know, just play them. It's very important as a young, as a pro, that you play. It's so important. And if you feel as though you can't, you're not going to play, the hope goes. And it's it's so important. You can't take the hope away from people. They want to be trusted. Yeah, Sammy's had some issues, and I worry about his energy that he transmits to us all. But if he's sitting there watching the energies of the other players, he'd be a fool not to say, well, you know what, next time I get on that pitch, I'm going to give it a bit more. I'm going to move it a bit sharp. I'm going to try to get to my levels because he has done it in the past. He just lost himself for a period. It can come back, you know. It can, you know. And Rob Holding, Rob's, Rob's a key player in the in the squad. You know, a key glue factor in the squad. Respect him. Play him. I don't care, right? I don't care. Play him. You know. Trust them. If it doesn't work out, what do we lose? You know. I said on Twitter. I think you get five million pounds for winning the FA Cup. If we win the league. All those guys be on the stage and they'll be immortal. Right. And that's the key for me. That's the key. And Champions League, win the league. You will never forget them forever. That happens. Um, and, and I mean, look, the winning culture thing, I, I understand the argument and I understand the value of it. Arsenal have won the FA Cup four times in the last decade and had arguably our worst decade in club history. <laughs> so, well, I shouldn't say club history, in recent club history that I can look back on and remember. Um, Manchester City who have been all-conquering in the Premier League have won it once, right? And haven't been close in, in many of the occasions, haven't even made the final in many. So I, I think the argument that you need to win these kind of games to go on to win other games has been proven, not proven wrong, but is not validated by or confirmed by the evidence. Yeah. Um, I do think prioritization is a thing. We know that Klopp has basically thrown away the FA Cup in many seasons when he prioritized other competitions to good effect. I, I want to... Let's stay on the game and then I'll get to the bigger picture because I'm going somewhere with this. And I do think it is a shame, by the way. I think, is it both city games in the league or midweek games potentially or games where there's only three days rest for both teams between them? That's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah. But we have one more day rest than City do for the um, for the game at the Emirates. So that's, you know, maybe tiny, tiny advantage. I would just like to go into that game not only with the advantage of our quality and our best strength, but also 
maybe just a little bit of a surprise factor of what we really can do to them. So l- let's pick it. Let's do it right now. What team would you pick? And maybe as you go oh, through it, crikey. tell me whether you think, <laughs> not what he will pick, what you would pick. And, and well, would whether pick. you okay. think um, he's going to go with, with the quote-unquote full strength. So this is what I would do. He's going to he's going to cause a storm. This will. So I I would play I play Matt Turner in goal. You know, I think, and I would go uh, Tom Yasu right back, Tierney left back. I would go Holding and Kivior. Kivior. Mm-hmm. I'd give him a go, but I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be adverse to um, Salibra and Kivior starting, or Salibra and Holding starting. It, it wouldn't work. I think Salibra's the one, the first team one that that could play. You know, so um, I think that would be the that would be the smart thing to do, and give, give Gabriel a day off because he never seems to get one. Can I can I ask you a question about that, just real quick? Mm-hmm. If Holland starts, do you think it's an advantage to our first choice defenders to get a little dress rehearsal of playing Holland? He's such a unique threat. Like you could say, well, if he destroys you, your confidence is shot when you come up against him again. But I I do think, to my point about not wanting to come up against things cold. You might want Gabriel and Saliba to get a feel of what it's like playing against Holland. And and this is a weird one because we don't play again for what is it, eight days or something. So yeah. uh yeah, you know, from you a could, fitness could, standpoint, I don't think it's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you could you could start with our first choice two at the back there and then end the game with another two. You know, this is we have the ability yep. to do that now. So so I'm quite relaxed about that, to be honest. In, in midfield, I, I would try something slightly different in in midfield. You know, i I would like to see um, I would like to see Shaka play in the six for one game mm. and just see what it looks like, and um, and and I would play. You know, give Sambi a go and 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 give Vieira a go. You know, in there, um, and I would go up front. I would I would probably stick with um, um, Martinelli. But I'd also give Trossard a go in one of the wide positions. False nine. Oh, I'll give him a go. He was playing false nine quite a bit for uh, for Brighton, right? Yeah, he was. I'll give Trossard a go in one of the wide positions. But I'd probably still stick with Martinelli, and um, and I would play Eddie up front. I would play him up front. You know, so. But I've also got a, a hunch for Trossard playing in the eight, but we don't need to do it. You know, at this point in time, we need to rest our wide men, you know, and make sure they're fit and healthy. So take your choice. It doesn't matter because we can always bring a wide man on, you know, and this is a good thing about five subs. So picking a team is almost not that important. It's how you want to end the game. I think you should all get a feel of playing against City. You know, I want the I want there to be a five sub job. Everyone get a feel of it, you know, and I think it's important they all feel part of it. I would look at this game about us, really focus on us. I've been looking at City, I've been watching how they play. And they're precise, they're they obviously do the business, but De Bruyne puts things on a plate. But they're not as ferocious pace-wise and energy-wise as they once were. They don't accelerate in wide areas. They're more controlled in wide areas. And so I, I think we can control the ball, particularly when we play them in the league. I think we've got so many controllers now. It's just so important, those controllers are on the pitch. I'm talking Zinchenko, Party, Odegaard, Shaka, Saka, Martinelli, those boys control the football. You know, they know how to use it. They play with different pace levels. And so I really think, as long as those guys are on the league game, that's all that matters to me. I think we'll take them. In the cup game, I think it's about learning about our players and where they are and making sure they feel included. I really, you know, Vieira was very close to breaking in, you know, and then suddenly there wasn't a slot for him. Smith Rowe need to find out where he is, you know, and. And see where Sambi is. Just find out. If they're not there, we'll know by the selection. And then we can either loan those players like Marquinhos and Sambi and loan them out, put the window shut. And the selection will tell us exactly where they fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think you got you got to try to start Trossard and Smith-Rowe if you can. First of all, the Smith-Rowe thing for, for me is really interesting and important. If he doesn't start, I think the presumption is either he's still not match fit and we just don't trust his fitness or there's something going on there. Um, I don't want to get too whiskery. Right? I don't want to do that. I think it's easy to forget how good that player is. Of course, he's been out a long time and he's struggled to stay fit and that's been an issue. 
We did just buy a player who we think is not exclusively, but largely a, a factor on the side of the pitch that Smith Rowe would like to be his factor on the side of the pitch. And oh, by the way, there's another guy on that side of the pitch that has the starting job. It, it feels a little crowded. And you can easily find yourself going down a bit of a rabbit hole of what could happen to Smith Rowe's Arsenal career if we don't start to see him coming back. It, it's easy to forget. It's just two seasons ago that he rescued our season. You know, I don't yeah. want to say saved Arteta's job. That sounds melodramatic, but you know, gave us a lifeline in a season that was circling the drain. And really I always forget him in my. For, yeah. I always forget him in my analysis. I always forget him. Yeah. And. And I find myself thinking about Vieira a lot more. I, I, I've seen a bit more of him recently, you know, and I think there's a player yep. bubbling under the surface there. But the reason why he doesn't pop to my mind is I, I'm just so cautious with him injury-wise in my own head. And sometimes yep. when you end a game playing with a Smith throw, it's better pace-wise. You know, where the game is, it's a bit more broken. And I think it's just a smarter way to introduce a player back from injury. In our minds, oh, he's got to start. He hasn't got to start. He's got to build up his <laughs> he's got to build up his minutes. That's the key thing. So how many minutes do you want to give him? Do you want to give him the first half, take him off? Or do you want to give him the last half hour when he can really impact the game? Do you want to give him the first half when the game's at 100 miles an hour, when he could when he could overstretch, when he hasn't played for a long time? It's a choice for the, the sports scientists, right? And but I, I think he's, I think he's a very intelligent, Solskjaer type substitute, Smithro. Uh, mm. One of his best parts of twenty two was when he did have that period when he wasn't quite fit. He was coming to the bench. He was scoring every game. I think he yeah. sees the game. I think he's very clever. He knows where to run. He accelerates the game. I, I think he's a very smart footballer. One touch finishes around the area. Very clever timing of runs. I think he can see the game when it's broken. And so I always think of him as that player, 12-man player. But until he gets his legs back, and then he'll sort out his own career and the cold career path. I think if he can come off the bench and score in every single game for the rest of the season, that will be an important role. So let's, <laughs> let's look for him to do that. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's tough too, right, is, you know me, I, I like to say, you got to rotate, you got to give rest. But we're in this weird cadence where they don't need rest yet. Right? Like they don't play again for another eight days. They haven't played basically for a week. The fixtures aren't compressed. They're going to get compressed, but they're not right now. So you have a weird situation where if you don't use your starters, you go into the Everton game and they haven't played in two weeks. And is that good? <laughs> so yeah. I, you this know, is I mean, why I think he's going to keep them warm. Yeah. yeah. It's why I think it's going to be a, a good day for the squad to share the minutes mm -hmm. around. You know what I mean? You take out the ones that are overloaded. You know, and, and the club will know which ones they are. For me, the the two that stick out to me as loaded are potentially Saka and, uh, and Gabriel. Right? They're the two that look loaded to me. You know, so I would I would definitely look after them. I think where I'm not concerned, but like where I think the manager would be frustrated is losing El Nenny because you know I've never been a huge El Nenny guy, but I think El Nenny is trusted and Sambi is not, and that's important. Whatever I think of mm -hmm. El Nenny's skill set, I think that El Nenny is trusted to ape the party role, admittedly not with the with the same uh, talent or the same capabilities, but to at least perform it in a in a responsible way that the manager trusts, and I don't think that Sambi is. And that puts us in a situation that we may have to discuss as it relates to transfers. Hence my Saka yeah. in the six discussion earlier. I I, I want to see Saka him do six? it. Sorry, Saka oh, in the Shaka, six. Shaka, Shaka Shaka in the six, apologies. Saka can probably play any position of <laughs> I want to see I want to see that. I just want to see him back in the middle there and see how it looks. And um, people say, oh, it won't work. He's too close to his own goal. He'll do something stupid. We're a different team now. And if he's got targets ahead of him that can look after the ball, then we go from there. So... I, I, I want to see us look at the the non-party team and have a dependency on somebody else because whatever party plays, we don't lose. And that's factually correct, right? So, um, so yeah, I just want to see that position looked after in a different way. I know there are some that would say, well, maybe Kivior is an option there or maybe Ben White is an option there, right? I mean, there, there's, there's the there are perpetual options. Arsenal play a centre-back at defensive midfielder debate. I don't think that's the way it's going to work. And I think you have to remember, like, maybe not in the City game, but in most games, Arsenal are playing so high up the pitch. That's not a sit in front of the back four and shield position anymore. And yeah. so I think the days of let's put a center back there don't really work for a number of reasons. Um, well, let's let's do one more thing on this game. Do you... How do you see this game playing out in terms of the heat of it? Do you see this being a 
put a marker down, both teams wanting to punch the other in the mouth a little, intimidate them ahead of the next game, show what they're about? Or do you see this being a really polite, friendly game of two teams that are tapping each other on the shoulder a little bit, poking at each other a little bit, saving their haymakers for that midweek game that's coming up in a couple of weeks? I think City won the pundits in the mouth. I just get this feeling. Um, they... They have a chance to set the media narrative, right? Oh, they yeah. come up against City and they and they folded, and you know this is this is how it's going to be in the in the league. Yeah, I think they want to do us, but I I have to say something. I think since the Man United game, when all of us have been doing mental laps of honors in our heads, right, and been over, you know, massively excited, and the the social media content has been gold. It's just been wonderful, and um, but there hasn't been much um, laps of honor coming out of the club. I think the club have been really quite stoic. You know, just a normal press conference on a normal day. No big player spreads, really. Little bits and pieces, but nothing celebratory. I really like that. I really like the the seriousness coming out of the club. You know, we're, we're a serious football team that's trying to get better. We haven't done anything yet. We just had half a season. That's all it is. Despite how we all feel, we are halfway through the season and and I think that's almost been restated this week. Give the players a day off. They come back in on Tuesday and, and we go again and build up to the upcoming games when we do get a bit more compressed. And this is the time to put energy in the tank when we need to empty it. So the fact that we don't need to play people is good because we can just rest them up a little bit and look after them and just give them 20 minutes, keep them topped up. I think that's really important. So I really like the vibes coming out of the club this week. The fact there's been hardly any vibes. I've, I've, I really like that. And to keep our feet on the ground is very important. People will turn on us very quickly if we start getting the open top bus out in January. The host gets caught on mute. That is a yeah. quality contribution. I enjoyed that. Well I done. enjoyed that. Yeah, I let it go as well. My best contribution in months. Um, people are like, what is, what is this? I hear birds chirping. I hear angels singing. Um, I could have spoke. Well, it's all gone now. It's all gone. Uh, I ruined it. And you blew it. Uh, so we talked about the FA Cup game with City. I want to talk about the, the league games a little bit and some title point totals with you. But there is another cup. It's the Europa League. And this one I find myself more torn on because I can't quite get, like, look, we wanted to win the Europa League in years past because it gets you in the Champions League. We're in the Champions League now. It's an impossibility that we fall out of it. That's done. Book it. It's done. You can't fall out of it. It's done. So given that that's done. I'm not there yet. Completely and totally done, confirmed, booked. It is the reality that the Europa League is a European trophy. And it'd be neat to win it. I can't decide how much I care. I, I think I care, but I can't decide. I know up against the title, I don't care at all. That Those games, when you look at where those games are going to come from, Clive, and what we're going to mm. be up against at that por- portion of the season, those are the ones that I really were. Those Thursday games away in a, in a competition we don't need when there's... You know, Newcastle at the weekend, Chelsea at the weekend, City midweek, and then there's next week we play twice. Like, April's going to be a disaster, a mess. March March as well, unless we're out of the Europa League. I, I just can't get to the point of caring enough to think we should commit to it. I also understand, was it, it was, not the Invincible season. I feel like there was a season where Arsenal... It was the invincible season. We went on a Champions yep. League and FA Cup in the in the same week. Yeah, but terrible. We went on to be invincible, right? And like that that's something we have clung to as a club forever. I think there's something similar on offer here. And if we went to the FA Cup now in the Europa League at the first time of asking and won the title, no one would care. How on earth does Mikel approach a competition it would be fun to win, but pales in comparison to the, to the league? That week. Because you could wind up with nothing. You could roll the dice, get to 94 points, p- get pipped to the title at 95 points, why and have nothing that? at the end of the season. Yeah, why say that, what? right? So uh, basically... Yeah, I, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just... I'm you, brought me back to, points, you brought me back to the losing to Man United at Villa Park week and Wayne mm. Bridge on the... I think it was a Wednesday night in the Champions League. And I still think it's one of the most painful, most painful moments as an Arsenal fan is the Wayne Bridge goal. Because uh, I think we win the Champions League that season. Forget the, you know, forget the Barcelona tie. The walk, I was at that game. The walk to the train station was like a funeral march. 
I will never yeah. forget it. The single lowest point of my Arsenal watching life, without yeah. a doubt. Because Lower than Paris, it, you think? Oh, Paris was fun. Well, I was in a lovely hotel. I was there for a couple of days. <laughs> we were in the biggest game in the world, playing the two best teams in Europe. We knew we were the two best teams. Yeah, it was a bit emotional, but at least we were there, right? We were there. And, and we so, were slightly past our peak, right? We knew we were We, we were, were there. We, were we should have won it. Away, we should have won it, but we were there, and uh, it just got snapped away from us with a decision, right? So, um, But we were so close, but I that doesn't hurt as much as Wayne Bridge. I don't know why. Um, people may disagree with I, me. I but, feel the same for what it's worth. <laughs> but because we knew we were the best team in Europe and we should have won you. That team was a trophy short, right? And we we know it, right? So um but funny enough, our European record is is not befitting a club of our size. And I folk I want the Europa League more than I want the FA Cup. Um Arsenal need to have a better European track record. It's not good enough. It generally isn't. We need to get to, for me, to get to the right place. And this is why the City game is important, in it? Because we need to find out what we got. You know, we and how do you find out? You only find out if you give the guys time to play. You know, so play them. Find out what you got. Then you know by how much you can focus and how much you can rotate when the Crunchy Rope League games come and you're going Thursday, Sunday again. You find out what you got. It's a really good got. point. Because, mm. Clive, if if... Smith Rowe and Trossard and Vieira can go to the Etihad and play, even in a game you don't necessarily win, but look good, then the manager feels like he's got a much easier decision to make when it's Monaco or, you know, yeah. probably not even a team in the, in the Europa League. But you know what I mean? One of those kind of teams away in, in a Europa League tie. It, again, this goes back to does a winning culture matter? Will it dent our title challenge if we crash out of the Europa League to a team that we view as smaller than us? Well, it didn't dent our title challenge when Brighton kicked us out of the League Cup, and how happy are we? We didn't have to play midweek of this week, right? And we yeah. don't have to play midweek of next week. So, I, I don't know, Clive. Like, to me, I, I understand culture. You know that I've, I've warmed to it. I think these are competitions that if you could get out of them and get out of them in a way that doesn't, like, humiliate you, yeah. you're better you, off for it. If you can think, you know, if you can think of it, like, you know, we all pick our first 11 tonight, and I don't like doing it, as you guys have just discovered. I don't like doing it. Um, because when you go into training and you're in the dressing room, mate, there's not 11 players in there. There's 26. And they don't want to be, they don't want to feel like there's never a chance to play football matches. Right, you have to remember appendage. You have to remember that. You have to remember that. That I've selected teams in my time. The hardest thing is leaving people out of big games and finals and things like that. You got to look them in the eye. It's hard, mate. You have got to make. You can't say you like someone, you trust someone, and when the moment comes, you don't select someone. You know, play them, find out what they got for those Europa League games, and keep that squad harmony ongoing I think it's the most important thing there's harmony all around the club at the moment everywhere you look you know everywhere you look we want to make sure it, it it's maintained in the dressing room for sure yeah um all right I I do want to get to how many points it's going to take to win the title that sounds like it's a one second conversation because you just name a number but I, I want to give you <laughs> I want to give you some some data points here that I think are interesting, and then we're going to shift gears a little bit to transfers and squad. I think Aaron Ramsdale gave a really interesting interview uh, for a podcast, not ours, sadly. Um, but <laughs> I do want to I do want to reference it. But here's the interesting thing: there was a thread on Twitter. Not I don't want to say alarmist. I don't think that's what he meant. It was Miraz AFC, Miraz AFC on Twitter, okay. well, talking about how City won the league. From second place. I think you shared it. I think it's how it came on my timeline. <laughs> um, against, it's the season where they pipped Liverpool to the title. Um, what was the final total that season? Was it 97 to 96, 98 to 97? 97 to 96, I think. Yeah. I can't imagine getting 96 points and not winning the title. I, I don't know how you recover from that. But he makes the point basically that at the halfway mark, Liverpool had 51 points. One more point than we have now. Man City had 44. So they had a seven-point gap. Man City went on to basically win every single game except one. They took 54 points from 19 matches. And they wound up finishing on 98 points. And Pipping Liverpool did the title. And sort of talking about why that, you know, this, this whole idea that Arsenal somehow have a divine right to win the title and if we don't, it's a collapse is wrong. Look, Firstly, no one's going to say we collapsed if we get 96 points. No one's going to say that. Yeah. You know, maybe the, the dumbest and the lowest of the low are going to say it. No one else is going to say it. You know, Spurs fans will. Um, 
But a couple of things. First of all, in that season, obviously City had played Liverpool once already. We have City twice. I do not believe City can win the title unless they beat us at least once and potentially more than that. If we beat yeah. City once, I think the title is ours, but that's beside the point. Let me let me put this in context for you, Clive. I want to I I just share this. This thing I looked up. City's second half points the last five seasons. It's a little scary, but hear me out. Yeah. 46 points, 48 points, 43 points, 54 points, mm. and 45 points. Yep. Now, if you use their halfway total, they had 42 points at the halfway mark this season, right? Because they've now played 20 games. 42 points. That would give them a range of 88, 90, 85, 96, 87. I don't think we win the title if they get to 96. I just don't. All right? All the other ones, I think it's doable. So I took the average of those, and on average, using their last five seasons of points in the second half, they would finish this season with 89 points. It's a lot. It means we need 90. Let's say we need 90 to pip them to the title. To get to 90 points, we need 40. That is an 80 point pace. Can we play at an 80 point pace for the rest of the season? We absolutely can do that. To put it in perspective, that is just six more points this season than we took each of the last two seasons in the second half. Just two more wins than the second half of the last two seasons. So to me, Clive, when you look at the numbers and you look at it that way, as long as you don't lose to City twice, if you draw them twice or you beat them once, I don't think statistically speaking, and I realize statistics aren't the thing. You could collapse. You could lose three players to injury and finish, you know, third. But it it weirdly sounds more doable than I expected it to sound. All things being equal and understanding that football doesn't always work the way the numbers say they will. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's interesting how me and you look at the game slightly differently. <laughs> well, I know you brought that <laughs> mathematical challenge to everybody. I think it's a really, really smart one. I look at things like, you know, playing Man City at home on a Wednesday and having to play Aston Villa on a Saturday morning away for BT Sports Joy. That's the sort of thing I'm playing against Unai Emery. I look at the soft stuff. Do you know what I mean? I look at that and and I worry about that, that turnaround. But I also look at Man City and I look at their team and I've generally been looking at their team you know, so let's just go through it with a bit of flippancy, right? So Edison's he's 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 running out of his goal like Superman and throwing them in at the moment. He's not the same player that he was when he arrived. Carl Walker is under a little bit of pressure. That's why he's been sat on his bench while Rico Lewis is playing in the inverted role to replace Zinchenko. Well, he's not as good as Zinchenko despite his outstanding talent for an 18-year-old, but he's not doing what Zinchenko's doing, that's for sure. Cancelo's just dropped off the earth. What's happened there? Just seriously, what's happened there? He needs to get his form back, and that's probably a problem for him. No, he doesn't. What are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Stop it. You know, Akanji, he's not not Diaz. You know, he's not Diaz. And and Nathan Aki is now playing every single week. He's doing quite well, to be fair, but he's he's beatable. He's gettable. You know, Diaz and Laporte and Stones, that's the level that that we're used to seeing. And all of them are going through, apart from Stones, who's, who's top class. And so, you know, Bernardo Silva, you know, he's got his eyes looking at Barcelona. You know, Gundogan, he's, he's a free transfer in the summer. I'm telling you, we all know about Haaland, and he's, 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 we all know about De Bruyne, we all know about Foden, who's having a dip, his first dip for a while. Grealish is looking better. You know, he's looking better. Maris is looking better, but he's 32, 33. Um, this is not peak city. That's what I'm trying to say. We've seen this film. They're trying to regenerate in the background. They're, and they're, like I said at the start of the season, it's a year of transition. I expected Spurs to be closer to us than anybody else because they were stable, with a stable manager. But the guy just brings doom over that club, right? There's no joy, there's no smiles on that team. Despite, they're just a, they're just a vehicle for Harry Kane's statistics, right? So it's not good enough from their perspective. So they're not peak city and we are growing so we need to de-risk the areas of the team that are a problem for us injury-wise, make sure we can share minutes appropriately. But we are a growing force and we look like a hungry team. And I think the only thing that's going to stop us reaching our potential is us. I really feel that. I think it's us. Whether we get to the promise stand or not, I am not bothered. I just want to make sure we perform like we know we can. And if we do, that's good enough for me. 
And if we get, that'll get us to the right very close. If they do a 50-point second half of the season, mate, good luck to them. We can't deal with that. We have inbuilt excuses, Elliot. Inbuilt. We're, we're playing against an all-state that's had that money for many, many, many years. Right? And so they can build their infrastructure, build their team. They can hide failure very, very easily, and they can go again. You know, and um, we can't quite do that yet, but we're building. And so there's no drama here. There's no pressure. We just need to keep going on the path that we're on. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I, I think, you know, it's it's just one of these things where it comes down to how the schedule breaks for you. And that that I think is a component of this. You need to be healthy at the right time when the right games come up. It's why depth is so important. If you look at last season, if we keep a couple of players fit for the run-in, we're in the Champions League this season. Now, ironically, if we're in the Champions League this season, maybe we're not in a title race this season. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to change a thing right now, right? I, I wouldn't touch a thing. I think we're a little unlucky because the quarterfinal, second leg in the Champions League is the 18th, 19th, um, which is the week before we play Manchester City. Well, to be fair, the Manchester City game is a midweek game, so of course it's before we yeah. play Manchester City, so that's sort of a dumb point. But uh, but that's par for the course. But, you know, if you look at our schedule and their schedule all the way into the rest of the season, um, we've got that City, Chelsea, Newcastle, right? City away, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, three games in a week. That That feels like it could be sort of decisive. And what's interesting is we wrap up that run the way we wrapped up last season, right? We went to Spurs. They punched us in the mouth a little bit with the help of the referees. And then we went to St. James knowing that we could still achieve everything we wanted at St. James. This season, we're going to go to the Etihad and maybe we're going to come away with a lip bloodied. And we're going to go to St. James, probably knowing we can still achieve everything we want this season. And my goodness, is that an opportunity to right some wrongs? Yeah. So it will be a very, very interesting run-in indeed. I want to get to... Some t- uh, some transfer stuff. But one of the ways we can make sure we're fit for the run-in is by taking care of our players. One of the ways you can take care of your players is by taking care of their bodies. One of the ways you can take care of your body is by filling it with AG1 from Athletic Greens. That's right. Athletic Greens is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, nutrients. See how I said the word nutrient right there? Adaptogens, probiotics. It is whole food sourced superfoods. It's all of it. And I, I do think, look, we're all looking for things that we can do to make us healthier. And so maybe you've turned to supplements and vitamins and nutritional things and probiotics. But like by the time you have your kombucha bottles and your vitamin gummies and your probiotic gummies and all that stuff, like not only is it expensive, you're doing it all day long. It's a lot to keep track of. This is one great thing you can do at the start of your day. You put it in water. So you're drinking water, which of course is good anyway. And you know, you're not only taking something that is going to deliver a, a, a multiplier of benefits, right? So gut health, sustained energy, immune support. Um, you know, for me, like just, I, I depend on caffeine. I still drink coffee, but I found that I was able to re- reduce that a little bit with AG1. So that's been good for me. But it's also the fact that it's keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free as well. So like, you don't have to worry because I think a lot of these supplements that are created are not created with different uh, dietary and nutritional approaches in mind. So this is really nicely done. It's less than the price of an expensive cup of coffee. It's a company that um, contributes a lot of money to good philanthropic causes. They have thousands of five-star reviews. You can do it right now. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Those travel packs come in handy with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Check it out live. Is that enough of that? Indeed. Got it. An easy one, Clive. Nice and easy. Easy today. All right. So we're down to the last five days of the transfer window. And mm. I think the Elneny injury does complicate things because I think, not that I think, look, people know what I think of Elneny. I don't think he's a bad player or anything. I just, he's not, he's not someone I think is a difference maker for us or is going to win us a title. But I think the manager trusts him. And if the manager trusts him, the manager might be inclined to say, I can get by with Party and El Nenny and then Sambian Reserve for now. But I don't think he can do that if this is a substantial El Nenny injury, which it sounds like it may be. Now, maybe he's talking it up a bit to try to get the money. <laughs> I don't know. But he's certainly talking it up a bit. 
Where do you think this leaves us? Because we're linked with Zubamendi in the summer, which I, I think would be a pretty exciting signing. Obviously, Declan Rice is a summer signing we're strongly linked with, but I don't see happening. It's it's not going to happen in January. So will do we need to do something in midfield? Will we do something in midfield? What's your take on that area specifically and, and how much of a pain point it could become if we don't get something done there? Well, El Nelly, did he cost us Mudrick in the summer, right? The, his injury towards the end did it cause did it cause us to pivot? Who knows? So Alneni could be a major player in our season. His health, right? And and how we react right now? So there's a few names out. Let me just go through them because I love a Twitter rumor, right? So I'll go through them. Through. Mm. So go there, through them, yes. there's it's Anana out of Everton at the moment. Um, very six foot five centimeter, very good. Is he a six? Is he an eight? I just like him. I like his vibes. Is he good enough on the ball? Not sure, but he does. He moves across that pitch very nice, and he and he and he carries. And I think we're a team full of carriers, apart from maybe one player <laughs> who plays in the left eight for us. <laughs> uh, everyone else can carry the ball really, really nicely. So um, I like him. Moises Caicedo at Brighton. The price is seventy five mil. Very much a punchy two-way player with good ability on the ball, good energy. I think energy is very important for Arsenal. I don't think we, as when we watch the game now, I don't think we deal with people who jog. I don't think we like it. You know, there's a there's an energy that gets transmitted from the pitch to the to the stand and to the TV screen. If a player drops below that, I think we're we're after him a bit. Do you know what I mean? I think we see a developmental point we can get past. So I like Caicedo's energy. Uh, Zubamendi, interesting thing about him, I think he's got a 55 mil um, release clause. Arsenal's a supposedly bid, but he wants to stay at his hometown club. I think he's real Sociedad. And that's an area where Arteta was born. And I read that him and Zubamendi share the same agent. So what's this space on that? Now, Barcelona wanted to have him as the Busquets replacement. He is a true six, mate. Nothing else. True six. You build a team around him. That's it. Right? So, Declan Rice story is out there and it's out there now with everybody and Declan Rice is, is flashing his eyelashes at Arsenal and potentially wants to come. And I think it's a very smart thing from his perspective because I think technically and tactically, I think he's reaching a limit uh, and I think he needs to get to a... Sometimes I love to see players pick their teams and coaches more rather than look at the bank balance. It's very hard. But could you imagine Declan Rice in Arteta's hands, what he could do with him? How he could change how he receives the ball, make him better. Because at the moment, he's, he's, he's not bad on the ball in certain body shape positions, but he's not party good on the ball. You know? But he is a very good Granite Xhaka option because I think he's a... I think he's a a cape on player I think it's a Superman player a one and a half jobs player that goes into the box passes into the box carries into the box I think I think Arteta could put 10 goals on him easy with long shots and I think he could be anything at 24 energy wide physically he bestrides the pitch I've seen it in my own eyes he just all over the place why would you pin him down as a six for me? I wouldn't. I would have him going and causing problems in the front five. I really would. But make him a two-way player. I think he's really interesting. So they're the sort of names, Elliot, that are, are out there. Will we go and do... There's another player to watch out for. Just a sneaky one. A guy called Jonathan Bamba out of Portugal. He's played centre-back and centre-mid. And I've watched him on one part of my scouting in case you ever needed me to. And he's a tackling centre-mid. Very good tackling player. Not bad. You know, on the YouTubes, you see loads of diagonals. So I'm not sure if he's really good at press resistance-wise, but he's a tackler. And I think that's where Sambi misses out as a six. I don't think he's a tackler. I think we miss that ability to jump out and get people. And so one to watch there. He's got a very good CV and lots of people looking at him. And there was a there was a tweet out there saying he's agents in London. So watch out for that one as well. So yes, I'm giving you the, the true Twitter rumours today. I don't think there's anything else. I hope I've not missed anybody. But do we need to do something? Yeah, I think we do. I really think we do. And I think we do because of the opportunity that's in front of us and what you've just spoken to on the podcast. The potential squeeze of the schedule, games following each other, multiple competitions, Mate, it's taking us in the face, isn't it? That we need to do one more thing, one more thing. It, it sure feels like it. And it, it's funny because 
it's interesting how, you know, all we talked about, we need a forward, we need a striker, we need a forward, we need a striker. Like, is it Felix or Mudrick or is it Felix and Mudrick? And then you mm. get Trissard and you look and you're like, we need a midfielder. Oh my gosh, how did we not notice we need a midfielder? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we're only capable of keeping one thought in our head. But like, I, I think part of it for me is I trust our system so much right now that I feel like as long as we have the players who can score the goals, because that's the hardest thing in football. The yeah. system will cover a lot of flaws. But as I start to think about a scenario where Samby has to play a lot, I just, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm picking on a player, but I think when we've seen him now, the confidence, I, I don't go straight to confidence in all factors usually, but I think with this player, it looks like someone who doesn't feel a part of the group. Now, to be fair, I say that, when the celebrations are happening, beating he's United and stuff, the like, he's there. He right, he's straight on the pitch. Like it's easy to oh, you know what? It is so easy in football to think you know what's in the mind of these players, especially from one scene that I have overquoted from All or Nothing. I know that. Yeah. Um, it may be the case that Sambi is grinding his ass off, waiting for the opportunity to play, and he's exactly. going to start Friday, and we're going to see a player raring to go. So I don't, I don't want to go too big. Midfield does feel like a need, but I thought, have you seen the Aaron Ramsdale interview he did on a podcast? I don't even I think it's a football it. podcast necessarily. Like a might be a general culture podcast, but he was very candid. A little concerned about the outfit he was wearing, but that's not, neither here nor there. Uh, We're baseball old. Baseball cap, shirt, unbuttoned with a tie. Like it was interesting. I, I love Ramsdale though. I could listen to him talk because he's candid. He's very candid, and he yeah. was talking about transfer rumors he knew versus transfer rumors he didn't know, and how the players know. And he's like talking about ones he didn't know. He's like, I kind of knew with Jesus because of what was on social media. I didn't really know with Zinchenko. That one was a stunner. He's like, but the Trissard one, like you heard a rumor and it happened. All of a sudden he's there. And they were talking to him about like, don't the players know? Or you know, wouldn't it be good for the players to know? And he said, nah, because you know what? If you're a guy who plays the position of a player the club's bringing in and you have time to think about it, all of a sudden you might be like, hey, wait, they're bringing in this guy for my position. And it yeah. gives you a chance to start to get worked up. You know, and he's like, he said this as an exact quote, sort of. <laughs> Troussard's not coming in to be a squad player. He's coming in to take someone's place. That's exactly what Ramsdale said. Now he said, I'm not saying he's going to get anyone's place. He's like, but that's how he's thinking about it. He's not thinking I'm a squad player. He's coming yeah. in to take someone's place. And as a player, when the club signs someone in your position, you know they're coming to take your place. I thought that was fascinating because Martinelli, Smith, Rowe, and Troussard all play the same position primarily. They can all play other positions, but they all play the position primarily. What do you think of that, of Ramsdale being that open about it, saying Trussard's here to take someone's place? And what do you think about the dynamic? Because we feel like the dressing room is so right. It shows you that assigning also has to be someone who's hungry for someone's place, but hungry in the right way where it doesn't destabilize the group. And I think that's got to, like, I was, I, I have to admit, I was lying awake last night thinking, gosh, when Jesus comes back and Kedia's head might drop, can you imagine being Eddie and Kedia and having to go back to the bench after what you've achieved? Like, these these dynamics are complex. So how do you think how do you think about what Ramsdale said there and the the addition of these players and you know how that how that impacts this very finely poised excellent uh, culture we have in the dressing room right now? It's just it's, it's just squad management, mate. It's squad hierarchies. And when Ramsdale came in originally, I think um, the manager said to him, "Look, you know, wait to come in, push the goalkeeper. Burns going to be our number one." But, but by next season, you might be number one. And he went, oh, yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers. Signed on dotted line and said, right, I'm going to have his shirt. That's, and that's what you do. If you're a professional that's gone through many different phases of youth development, loans, and you get to Arsenal Football Club, you don't sit there and just go, oh, yeah, thanks very much. I'll just sit here quietly on the sideline. No, you want to rip the shirts off their backs. And that's what you want. You want people want to rip the shirts off your back. I've got a story for you. I had a friend of mine who was at a club and he, he came for the youth team, got his pro contract, walked into the first team dressing room and took the captain's shirt off the peg and said, I'm here now. And the rest of the dressing room looked at him and said, you're mad. And he sat in the captain's chair. And within a year, that same player was playing for England. You've got to have that mentality. You've got to have it. You've got to have it. You really do. You've got to want to kill people to get into the shirt. They all, and everyone would expect the same from each other. It's a, it's a highly competitive, ruthless world. And they understand what you have to sacrifice to get to this level of athleticism and technical ability. You have to sacrifice a lot. So they're already part of the same family because of the level that they're at. There's only so many people that can do this. So they already know they're all 
different and special. Now it's about competing for the final thing, which is the first team shout on a regular basis. Yeah, well said. I think, like, it, it is so weird because I don't think many of us doing this pod or listening to this pod have a job where someone in your work is there specifically to try to take your job away and make it their job, right? That is a uniquely sports, maybe not uniquely, but a fairly uniquely sports type scenario. Um, I get and, compensated, Elliot. We just read this week that Cedric's getting a good, good number in his wage, and, and he's not yeah. keen to move. He's a free transfer, and so obviously it's I'm all about our ability like, to pay. But yeah, you, you get paid. I don't right? want to come across like I, I don't want to come across like I'm boasting about my ethics and my morality. I am willing to be a good member of the dressing room and sit on the bench for half of what Cedric is getting. <laughs> Literally half. <laughs> I will take the 50,000 pounds a week and I will be the best member of the dressing room. Believe you me. And he's meant to be uh, a very good one, by the way. So I've been reading. Mm, so fair play I, to I, him. Yeah. Fair him play. and Rob Holding, man. You know, they, they got it. They got it going on in the dressing room. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. It, it is just interesting. And I think we do this as fans, right? We live minute to minute. We really do. And the hardest thing in the world is to, to zoom out you know, Martinelli's the one right now that some people are like, he's not playing well. And I'll admit I've contributed to that somewhat. Not that he's not playing well, but that I think his level has dipped a bit. You really like what he's contributing right now. That player's looking at two hungry guys in Smith Rowe and Trossard who will feel there's an opportunity there. Does the manager yeah. feel that way? Maybe not. You know, but but that's, you know, that's that may be more a fan thing than it is a reality in terms of what the manager expects of their player, right? You have you cannot think of players as guys who who perform in a linear way game to game to game to game. Yeah. You, you've got to be willing to ride some of the dips if you want to get to some of the peaks, you know? Let's talk about Martinelli for a second, right? So, mm -hmm. flying, absolutely flying towards the World Cup. A million miles an hour, smashing it left, right, and center with Jesus there. The combination was unreal, right? So, what happens? Mm -hmm. He gets into the World Cup for Brazil. We all know what that means to a young Brazilian player. Right, so he's probably the last man in the squad. Not only does he get into the squad, he gets significant time, does quite well. Can you imagine the mental, emotional drain on him? Brazil get knocked out, he's straight back with Arsenal. Gets back with Arsenal, comes back into the squad. Jesus is injured now, so his partner in crime is now gone, as Tim raised a great point in the last podcast about Martinelli maybe dipping slightly because Jesus isn't there. And we all saw well, that partnership. Fair, I'll throw one thing in there. Because I, I said this in the rewatch, Clive, and I want to say it again for people who haven't heard that. Martinelli and Eddie and Kedia exchanged zero passes in the United game. A game we yeah. totally dominated in position and possession. Martinelli and Kedia exchanged zero passes. That exactly. that dynamic, that partnership, it and this that's not a criticism. It's just a change. Just change. Everyone's adapting to. And, and 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 I thought Tim made a great point. And and Eddie's taken up the slack and the goals that Martinelli and Chaka may score. When Jesus is there, you know, because it's, it's slightly different. In the end, we're getting the results. It doesn't really matter how we do it. But then you have to zoom out and appreciate what a young player is doing and how he's having to change his role, maybe stretch the game and stay wider and be slightly different and maybe not maybe not rotate as much as he does in-game when Jesus is there. And then, of course, he comes back from the World Cup. And because we haven't got the wide men in the reserve, he can't come back and rest. He has to come back and play, and play every single game, and start every single game. He even started at Oxford. right? Every single game he has to start. And now we've got a bit of depth. He can maybe sit for a week, Elliot. And then when he comes back out, he's back on the Kawasaki, right? He's zooming around the corner. And so this is what we have to do. We have to manage these, recognize the moment to rest them so they fill up the well again and off they go. We can judge them accordingly. I know you you love the player. We all do. But I think sometimes, I'm, I'm the, I said this on the last podcast, I'm almost trying to analyze how we analyze and step back and go, mm -hmm. okay, why is that Why is that only a 7 out of 10 today? Let's have a look at it. And I think that's what we try. all of us try to do, really. But I think they're young men, right? They can't, they're not machines. Go look after him. Go look after him. Yeah, and that's really what it boils down to. I think um, I think it, it's got to be hard as a manager with the intense scrutiny that they face and the moment-by-moment -moment reality of the league and hard for a player to play through the lulls in their performance, right? Even if you're 10% mm -hmm. off your game. It's interesting, right? Because if you think about Saliba, Saliba came back from the World Cup in rough shape. If we had a hot shit young 
defender we liked, there'd probably be people calling for Saliba to lose his place as a result of it. That's a what great example. Saliba played. He's now looking back to his best, and nobody's saying Saliba should be dropped or anything like it. But in Martinelli's position, where suddenly we have a bright new signing and we have a, a, an academy kid who's back from injury, that you know, th- there's a saying in NFL football: the most popular guy in town on a losing team is the backup quarterback, right? Yeah. Um, because everyone presumes that guy will be the savior. And I think <laughs> we're not a losing team, far from it. But I think there is always the case with your attack that the most popular attacking player is the guy on the bench raring to get on and show what he can do yeah. because we project that he will do all the things that aren't being done right now. So I think having that patience is important. Let's do this. Um, I think we can just about leave it there. I want to just finish by asking you, aside from the media who will spin everything because that's what they do, I get it. How invested are you in not watching the game and being excited by the game, but the outcome of the game tomorrow against Manchester City. How invested do you feel? I'm not super invested. What I am invested in is the feeling that's crackling through all our bodies right now and positive feeling about the football club. I'm invested in that. I don't want that to go away. You know, If that was to fall away, I would be really disappointed. I don't think it's going to. You look at everything around us. We're young, we've got potential, we're not even close to reaching our ceiling yet. So this can be maintained if we're smart. But that feeling, you know, walking around the stadium a couple of hours after kickoff, and there's still people around, and I bump into Mike and from the Gouda's pod, I bump into him, and I, I, I and he's, he's just like, just people just so happy. I don't want that to go away. That's what I'm invested in. You know, seeing Arsenal people happy. That's that's it, mate. And if we if we can maintain our performance, that'll continue. Results will take care of itself. Honestly, it will. I think that's really well said. I, I think as fans, much like the team, we're gonna have to hold our nerve, right? Mm. We're gonna have to hold our nerve, remember how good we are, believe in how good we are, because it's this is not a mirage, right? Like short of like an injury crisis, the way we play football is not going away. But you know, if you if you lose to City at the Etihad in the FA Cup, like we're gonna have to hold our nerve and not not overreact to that. I and I'm not trying to like soften the blow, saying it's gonna happen, but I can picture a scenario where later in the season, City have a league game rearranged for an FA Cup tie, and that league game gets put in an absolute cluster of games when they're in the Champions League quarterfinals, and it's the only midweek available, and this game gets pushed, and they're facing that problem, and we're not. When we're gonna look back on this and say. Maybe it was getting knocked out of this cup that that gave us the edge. So we'll see. You know, I know it's not easy to losing is never fun, and getting knocked out of a cup is never fun. But like I said, I would I wouldn't have wanted to be playing League Cup midweek this week. So let's just see how it plays out. We'll leave it there. Uh, nice short run for you today because we play tomorrow. We will have an instant reaction tomorrow, but unfortunately, your full pod reaction to that won't be until Monday. So. You know, you have a little time off from our shrieking voices, unless you're a patron, in which case you never have any time off from our shrieking voices, and we absolutely love you to pieces for it. Uh, We have some live event announcements that will be coming very, very soon. Two different locations, two different countries, so that's exciting. Get the F in. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see y'all. Along with a couple other things, we have our fundraiser rolling around pretty soon, and we're going to have some pretty moving and and important uh, information around that, so looking forward to that because I think the way this community raises money for the Arsenal Foundation and, and Save the Children is one of the things I'm most proud of uh, in this podcast. So we'll leave it there. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name's Ellie Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Gonna, we love you. And of course, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. City now. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.